Hello, welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. This is your facilitator, Dr. Dave Cornelius. Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave is streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. I want to encourage everyone to find their awesomeness. It is a choice. Let's begin your learning experience to achieve your awesomeness. Let's start off with your name. My name is Justin Williams. And what organization that you belong to or that you lead? Uh, several, um, but I think the most relevant one would be Civics. Okay. And that's CIVX? Correct. Okay. So what led you to your current position in your journey? Um, so with civics, it's sort of the intersection of two threads of my world, um, that of, uh, an entrepreneur and uh, an educator supporting the entrepreneurial innovation community here in Tucson, um, which is sort of built on a paradigm of lean startup and agile thinking and customer value creation as a, um, sort of a generalized uh, set of principles and tools to help uh, aspiring entrepreneurs build value creating high growth often technology enabled uh, startup companies i created an organization in 2011 um, around that uh, space called startup tucson it was built uh, to be a, a framework for catalyzing the startup uh, ecosystem here in Tucson. And so we built in and uh, launched and ran a variety of programs through Startup Tucson focused on uh, things ranging from uh, networking mixers like startup drinks to pitch feedback uh, meetups like um, One Million Cups uh, to growth incubator uh, or we called it a venture development program called Thrive. And a large-scale, multi-thousand-person festival, innovation festival called Ten West, along with a variety of other uh, initiatives like a, a co-working space, a lab workspace. So, Startup Tucson was sort of an incubator, uh, a, you know, an entrepreneur support organization and an incubator of uh, initiatives to grow the ecosystem. Uh, prior to that, I had. Uh, taken over the remnants of three nonprofits and merged them to become uh, a local technology uh, trade association called AMIT, Aerospace Manufacturing and IT. And um, after running that for several years as the, the, the largest technology uh, trade association in, in Tucson, we merged it with an organization called the Arizona Technology Council out of Phoenix and ran it for another three years before I, I left that organization. And as part of leaving it, I also launched Startup Tucson at that point. The origin of, of um, sort of this shift from the technology company business uh, economic development landscape to the more individual action-oriented individual 
work would actually be launching the event TEDx Tucson here in Tucson in 2010. Um, so that was another key piece of, of this. And all of this is sort of an, the intersections of, of people who uh, think about the future, who are willing to take actions and feel empowered that they have the right to do something, that they have wisdom to contribute to making their community better. Uh, there's a, a, an activist culture around leadership in a community. And, and so I, I began sort of generalizing all of that work, right? The work in terms of building community through a trade association or a startup support organization, using the values of having the empowerment or the permission structures that entrepreneurs and founders have to, um, to go implement some sort of change that they'd love to see instead of just feeling helpless or feeling unable to, or without permission or wisdom to be able to do something. And, and that sort of um, combines with my own, that, that's all sort of one growth right, from managing a trade association and their vision to improve the world through their startup ideas. Um, that's one growth path. The other is that, that I've always been very thoughtful uh, about the nature of our civic landscape, uh, includes politics and elections and being an active citizen in my community and thinking about uh, what I want for the world and what I think uh, for, for my, my country and, and my community. Um, it's always been sort of a, a, something that I've felt, I think for all the same reasons that I felt like I could start a business, I also felt like I could, I had permission um, all along to, uh, to have influence over the direction of my country or my community. I've started to combine those two threads of, of community leadership and civic participation and this idea of entrepreneurial empowerment and this agile problem-solving mindset into a broader concept that is the origin of civics. Okay, so who influenced your philosophy in life and business? I would say that um, this particular project of civics, probably the single most important intersection of thinking would be uh, the Steve Blank, who is the Lean Launchpad founder, and he teaches the uh, Lean Startup course at Stanford and Berkeley. And I interned with him uh, in 2015, I think, no, 2012, uh, when he was launching the educators uh, program for the uh, Lean Launchpad. And, uh, and so that really helped me build a foundation for launching um, beyond the, the work that we did at Thrive and, and to start teaching and creating courses at the university that I teach. And, and so the lean, agile thinking, I think, started primarily with my experience with um, Steve Plank. Uh, even before that, uh, a a collaborator and, and friend and colleague of mine brought Steve's work to my attention, uh, Aaron Eden. And together he and I 
grabbed Steve's slides and started teaching a cohort using Lean Startup even before we had gone through this program. And so I would say Aaron introduced it to me. Steve's really the, the catalyst of the, the concepts for me. Um, and then that's on that sort of founder agile thinking concepts. The other piece of it more on the civic and the, in the global world and where we live is the author uh, Thomas Friedman. He wrote a book in 2016 called Thank You for Being Late. And uh, it was a really powerful book and hit me at, a, at an important time and, and played a, a huge role in this transition from how do I work in the technology industry? How do I work in the business industry? How do we build and grow technology driven businesses and economic development and transition that into a concept I've been developing around civic engagement using those same concepts and tools. How do you make changes in your local community? How do you feel empowered the way an entrepreneur feels empowered? Um, how do you gain that empowerment through the use of agile and, and lean startup uh, thinking? And, and then how do you um, meet and, and use the, the types of thinking and communication and tools that we use in this world uh, to build relationships in your local community and create positive impacts. Uh, and so that was the origin of the um, concept for civics. Excellent. So what would be your ideal form of work if there was one? Yeah, your ideal me, form of work. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I think that I have a lot in common with people who um, love watching TED Talks. And the reason that I love watching TED Talks is that um, they are designed to be ideas worth spreading. And those ideas are powerful when they are combined with action. And, and so I think my, the reason I like it, uh, I think the reason many people like it, is that, that those ideas are inspiration, inspiring, they're uh, novel, they're a new way of thinking that, that you hadn't encountered before. And so my ideal way of working would, would be heavily involved in, um, in using that kind of thinking to improve the world, um, working with people who complement my contribution in those ways. I think that in a TED talk called The Originals, and the, the mindset that, that's talked about in that uh, the TED Talk, uh, I think, is, is how I look at the world, um, trying to see patterns and parallels and things that, that don't exist today or, or aren't common today, and choosing the ideas out of that that make the world better, and then trying to put those into action. And, and that last part is important. It's very easy to sit around and daydream. I think it's, there's all the potential in the world for someone to have, you know, a very vivid imagination. And, uh, but it's about which ones matter, right? How do you put them into action? And how do they affect the world? And so being able to use that creativity uh, to, to meaningfully and quickly make uh, an impact in my community or in the marketplace or in the world love doing that. Awesome. So let's get into the theme of uh, the primary part of the interview where we, we talk about value. 
when you think of value, what comes to mind? Uh, I, I actually have a way of describing the value proposition using the lean canvas. So, um, so I'll probably start with that, although I think it's a geeky, narrow um, way of describing it. So I, I can, for the purposes of interview questions, I can kind of speak more broadly later. But when I think about the, um, we use the lean canvas in teaching entrepreneurship and it's the framework of um, the civics innovation canvas is, is nearly identical. And it's that um, when you're trying to solve problems in the world, there are three pieces of the puzzle that you have to think about. Um, what is the problem? Who has that problem? And what solution do you have in mind? And I think many people jump right to the solution that they have in mind um, because they've kind of intuitively, uh, they think of themselves as the person and some problem that they encountered is the problem. Right? And so then given that they are the customer and the experience they had is the problem, all of their energy goes into thinking how to solve it, right? Um, creative people often do that. And, um, and the value proposition is the fourth piece of the puzzle. And it takes into account the problem and the conception of the solution. So the, the value proposition is um, the, the reason that the customer pays the money they do for the solution. And it, it, is, it is not the solution itself. That's the confusing and difficult part uh, for, very, for many people. Um, it is the, the value is the, the benefit you gain by having the problem solved for you. It is, the, it is what you get, right? And, you, and when it comes to something in the business world, it's what you get that um, is why it's, worth not, it's why, why it's worth paying whatever the, the cost was that you paid because the value you get in return is greater than what you pay. Um, without paying it, without putting in the time to purchase it, the, the money you use to purchase it, the, you know, the effort to get the solution, the research, whatever you did, the investment you made to, to acquire that solution, all of that combined is worth it because the solution delivers value to you. Um, it does solve the problem, but that's not the value proposition. Value proposition is what you gain when the problem is solved. Um, and, and so that's, in the, in the world of teaching this, that is probably the most abstract and difficult concept for people to, to, to really wrap their head around is this idea of value. Um, because they often think of it as a statement of the solution. And it's really not. It's the benefits you gain by implementing the solution at the cost you spent to get it. That's an excellent response. So let's move on to thinking about happy contributing people. What would you include in a working environment that would enable happy contributing people? Uh, share about one or two, one or more experiences that you, you've had where you, had, you were in a space where um, you felt that you were able to be one of those happy contributing people so that we can understand um, what else would you add to that space? When you're paying a salary, a lot of the, um, the value that the, t 
team members get for their participation is the livable wage, right? The, the, the life that that income provides to them. So merely by paying a wage, it goes an awfully long way towards creating a happy contributing climate, right? And I say that because a lot of my work is contrasted with volunteerism, where, where you don't get to do that, right? Um, where you don't have the resources to hire the professional staff to do the kind of work. And so, um, so in the volunteer world, you have to, um, as a leader, you have to do much more, I think, um, to be able to gain momentum and, and, and have value created by the team than you might as an employer paying a salary because that salary goes so far towards getting people to show up every day and to put effort in and to um, take their time and creative energy and make some sort of outcome. And it's hard. It's, it's very hard because, um, because people need salaries. Uh, and so in order to, to have any kind of success when you're not paying a salary, you have to, um, I think my, my uh, biggest area for future improvement is that of a manager. My contributions are more as a visionary leader type and less as a cultural, social staff management person. And so my answer to this may, I mean, I know that there are good answers that people give and that, um, that, that, are, that are best practices. I think my answer is, is going to come from a little bit different perspective. Um, it's that it's that if you can um, paint a vision of where where the group is going that inspires people, they will uh, you'll be able to find the passion, the alignment with that passion that they have inside of them. Then they will uh, show up and be present and be creative and make contributions, even when they're not getting paid, because they believe in it. I, I, uh, I think of it as tapping into their passion. Um, and I think that in an employment world, anything you do that makes volunteerism work remains true in a, in a, um, in a work environment as well, right? So if you can find work, uh, ways of doing work or, um, reasons for staff to to be engaged uh, around their passions then then the work will get better the time invested will go up the energy for it will be better the camaraderie will be better um, so thinking of management of staff using the volunteer management mindset i think can can be um really powerful and for me, my way of, of doing that is to be a positive, constructive person and, and to be hopeful and try and be funny and, and fun to be around, uh, but also to, to, to be vocal about all of the elements of the project that are why we're doing this, right? Why, why are we all here together? It's because you're, you're not getting a paycheck, 
right? You're not here for that reason. That means that you believe in something more and you're willing to give up the time. And that's, I think, my key way of doing things is to find those things that bring people together with their passions. Um, and when they're aligned with mine, we work together as a team and it goes well. And then having the humility to be a leader who recognizes that their skills are in a certain domain. And in mine, it's less about particulars of management and more about the vision, the outcome, the, the camaraderie, uh, the community, and less about the discipline of management. And so then, then taking that and, and empowering other people around you uh, to lead in, even if, even if you're in charge, um, to be the leader that people look to for those things and to take a back seat, um, to not yeah. be the figure that all of the attention is put on, that, that you, you see yourself as a leader, both as the inspiration uh, role, but not the, the leader of every, every single role. In fact, many ways, you, you are willing to be an individual contributor, even though you're the boss, or you're in charge, uh, because you know where your competencies lie. It's some balance that I've tried to bring over the years. Okay, great. Let's pivot to satisfied customers. What would create satisfied customers? Think of Civic. If you could give a succinct answer in terms of what would create satisfied customers for people being engaged with uh, Civic? We're still learning uh, why people are participating in the work we do. We, we've run our first experiment. Satisfied customers come when you deliver value to your customers. And their value uh, is, is individually defined. They, just like a volunteer, they come to you uh, because they, they believe that they're going to get something out of it. And what that is, is often very individualized. And so being attentive to having empathy for, uh, for your customers gives you a tool, I mean, as a mindset, a, a human relationship to their needs that allows you to be, to be focused on creating value. Uh, and by doing that, you will satisfy your customers. And that'll show up in a lot of ways, right? It, it will show up in the solution that they have purchased, right? That that solution works in the way that they expected it to. But often when it comes to business, the individual widget or the individual technology or, or access to a, you know, an app or a site, those are part of the value proposition. And I think from an engineering perspective, it's very often seen as the totality of it. But the truth is that the relationship with the organization matters a great deal. Um, how they're treated, how, uh, how people think and act uh, during interactions, how that is perceived by the customer, it ends up that the value proposition and the satisfaction comes from the totality of all of those things together. So you could deliver the best product, and um, if you deliver it in, in a way that makes you look like a jerk, if there are alternatives, people are going to choose something else. They're going to choose to put, send their business somewhere else. So being aware of the fact that there's more to the solution than the particular technology or product that you're delivering and that there's a holistic satisfaction and a holistic relationship 
between you and your customers that uh, that you're focused on will will go a long way. That's for sure. Um, let's talk about thriving business. So please describe your idea of a thriving business that would come out of civics, something that would be born out of this great idea that you have. I think it, it, civics is, is unique and interesting because the projects that come out of it are very wide and differentiated. Um, they are not projects that are intended to be technology-driven businesses uh, like Founder Institute or Thrive was. Um, they are. They could be as varied as a, a, a series of work that, that a participant does and their conclusion on, uh, on a, working on a problem, how to improve a problem in their community. An example I'll use is the idea in one of our cohorts around uh, how do you get um, high school students to be engaged citizens as they're leaving high school, right? How do you get them to vote? How do you get them to pay attention to, to the, the issues at hand and, and stay informed and care, how to register to vote? That sort of project can come in a number of different forms. And in, in doing a project like that, success would be that, in this case, the, the initiative is to how do you get 100% of high school students registered to vote before they graduate high school, right? That's the, the intention and mission of that, that effort. And so part of that would be uh, how do you make sure that, that they're, they're interested in participating in this, that they have the opportunity to participate in it, that if every graduating senior in high school in Tucson that's eligible to register to vote is actually registered would be a measure of success. Um, but I think beyond that, a measure of success is that their parents and the community around them uh, trust this program enough um, particularly in a partisan uh, landscape like we live in now, that, that it's not designed to persuade young people to, to take positions politically. Um, there's no mission for um, larger change other than civic engagement, that people are actively engaged as citizens. And so that means gaining the trust and, and um, you know, delivering value to the school districts, to the school boards, to the parents, um, in addition to the students themselves. And so success would be that, that those constituency groups don't, that they feel supportive of this program in a way that allows it to expand and grow and operate year over year. And I want to talk about business agility. How do you see civics as an organization? And if you think of the fourth industrial or a digital revolution, right, in the global market, how do you see organization being transformed based on what's going on in the context of the fourth industrial or digital revolution? If, if I think about civics itself or a, a more established employer? I'm, we're talking about civics. So civics, I think, is, is designed specifically to solve that problem. So the book, Thank You for Being Late, um, by Thomas Friedman, is, is a much more interesting read than the book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, on exactly the same topic. Um, it's just written by a you know, fabulous author. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the, but the concept is, that inspired civics is the fact that the Fourth Industrial Revolution is essentially a, a wave of advanced technologies 
that have ramifications beyond the uh, and and a pace of of growth that is beyond what we have ever seen in the world before and exponentially beyond uh, to the point where it shapes and impacts society in ways that are much broader and and uh, and more difficult to wrangle with than things we've ever seen before. Um, the technology is getting so powerful and so quick to be created that the pace of innovation is so dramatic that, um, that people, individual people struggle to keep up with that pace of change. And so civics is about lifelong learning. It's also about individual empowerment. Um, those are critical factors for being capable of managing and navigating a rapidly changing world. Um, but it's also built on the principles of agile thinking, um, iteration, experimentation, data gathering, data-driven decision-making, right? That these tools as a, um, the, the belief behind civics is that those tools are critical for any human being to function in a world where the pace of change is exponentially uh, growing and that you as an individual need to function in these ways. And that it's not simply about building a search process for a business model that will make profits or um, a search process that will make a product more useful and valuable more quickly um, it, or search for scientific truths in the universe. It's a search for how to relate to the world and the people around you using the same techniques as the scientific method and agile thinking and um, lean startup, right? How do we, how do we adapt to the changing world around us using all of those same tools? That was a great answer. Thank you for your contribution to our conversation today. And um, thank you, man. Hello, this is Dr. Dave Cornelius again. Thank you for listening. We hope you were able to add to your awesomeness journey with this learning experience to obtain new knowledge. We are grateful to those who support us. We would like to thank our sponsor, Nalshare, for the continued support for this podcast. Visit www.nalshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through agile coaching and training, digital transformation strategy, Agile Organization Development, Lean Business Startup, and Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Coaching. Nalshare.org also provides online workshops for PDUs and SEUs to help you maintain your existing professional development certification and achieve new ones. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays Agile Education Program. Visit www.the5saturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. That's www.5saturdays.org. Check out Dr. Dave's latest book, Prayers to My Abba Father God, on Amazon.com a focus on prayer to enable spiritual growth. You will also find his books, Elastic Minds, What Are You Thinking? and Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way on Amazon.com. Look for the Nalshare with Dr. Day podcast on iTunes, 
Spotify, and Google Play. The Now Share with Dr. Day podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. Copyright 2019 Nalshare. Until next time, find your awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs>